Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Thursday, June the 25th. Is We are less than a month. From the start of the Major League Baseball season, the 60-game sprint to the finish after the longest of waits had felt like the most frustrating and infuriating of waits, we're here. And I have found myself shedding the anger and frustration. It's still there. It's still deep down. I'm still not happy about the way we spent the last three months. I'm still not happy that I talked about labor negotiations for the better part of two months. I'm still not happy that the players and owners are so diametrically opposed on every single thing, and I'm still not happy that we're probably going to have to deal with this again at the end of 2021. But having said all that, I've made the transition. I'm into excitement for the season now. We are are past the sadness, past the anger, on to excitement. Again, it's still there festering a little bit. I'm sure it'll come back to the surface at points, but I'm excited. Uh, I, look, we are going to, again, and I know it's all fluid and, and you know, there's a lot of different factors related to coronavirus and all that type of stuff still that, you know, we need to see how it plays out, but, but it's looking like we're going to have a Major League Baseball season this year, and that is friggin' exciting. So let's talk actual baseball. How about that? What a crazy thought. Um, we've talked a lot about what the season is going to look like. We've not talked a lot about what the schedule is going to look like, what the Phillies teams they will face look like, how the Phillies shake out in this tomorrow as well. We'll dive into some excitement for the season. But what a season could look like, what what a 60-game season could look like from a scheduling perspective. A really good article from Jason Sark on The Athletic breaking down some of the quirks, uh, the wrinkles of the schedule. We'll get to that. But first, just specifically related to the Phillies, um, Corey Seidman had a really good piece on NBC Sports Philly, just kind of pointing out that it's exciting baseball's back, but not the best of breaks for this 2020 Phillies team. Now, here's the thing. In a 60-game season, anything can happen. We will see a team that we did not expect to make the playoffs back in March, back in February, that's going to make the playoffs, and the opposite's going to happen. A team that we all thought was a lock for the playoffs is going to miss the playoffs. Again, look, the Nationals were 19-31 through 50 games last year, and they turned around and won the World Series. So 
there is going to be a team that gets off to a slow start and isn't able to bridge the gap that they create for themselves. That's going to happen. So, look, it is possible that the Phillies are one of those teams that gets a little luckier, that the bell bounces their way the first 60 games. We've seen the last couple seasons the Phillies get off to really nice 60-game starts. So, um, But having said all that, look, there's a lot of variance, but at the same time it is not great the way it is shaken out for the Phillies in the, in the sense of a scheduling perspective, playing games against the National League East and then the AL East, as we kind of talked about a little bit yesterday, I think probably the two best divisions in baseball. The NL East, I think, clearly the best division in baseball with two high-end teams and then two very solid teams with the Mets and the Phillies. And then I, I think if you're you're choosing the second toughest division, it's probably the AL East. They're certainly the toughest American League division with the Rays and the Yankees sitting atop and then the Red Sox there as well. And then the Blue Jays aren't a, a total pushover. The Orioles are a pushover, but, you know, let's take the NL Central, for example, getting to play the AL Central where the Indians are a really solid baseball team. The Twins are a good baseball team. Neither of those teams is as good as the Yankees. And the Rays are in the discussion for being as good as either of those teams. And the Red Sox are certainly better than the White Sox. And, oh, yeah, the Tigers and Royals are complete and total pushovers. We only get one with the Orioles. They get two. Um, so it's not great. It's, uh, it's a bad situation for the Phillies in terms of, of the chances to compete this year. Uh, Corey Simon, from his article, uh, concisely putting it together, um, says, you know, what will hurt the Phillies is their number of games against teams on the East Coast. In an effort to limit travel, MLB is keeping teams within their geographic regions. It means the Phillies will have heavy doses of the NL East and NL East, which might be the two toughest divisions in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, he details in the NL East, the Nationals, Braves, and Mets are threats. In the AL East, the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox are threats. The Rays won 96 games last year. Uh, even the Red Sox, a, a solid team, he says. Those six teams, the Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Nats, Braves, and Mets, Won an average of 93 games last season. Oh, man. That's tough. Put them into those terms. That is, how do we say, less than ideal. That is less than ideal, to put it lightly. Um, look, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough draw for the Phillies. The Phillies are really going to have to work hard to make the playoffs. Obviously, work. everyone's going to have to work hard in a 60-game season, but it didn't shake out great. And Simon also points out in the article, but you know, we talked about it, the fact that instead of 16 teams, there's only going to be 10 this year. Of all the years for there to be 10, this is a rough year for it. I'm, I'm supportive of a, a smaller playoffs rather than a bigger playoffs. I was fine with expanding to 12. I thought that made a lot of sense, but 16 teams is more than half the league. It's just too many. But for this particular season where variance is such a high factor and what's going to happen where there's going to be so much of it. I did think the 16 team playoff made a lot of sense this year for those teams we talked about earlier on where where you know a team like the Dodgers if they get off to a they're you know five games under 500 in the first month they're like out of it. You know, they're almost it's almost done and maybe with a uh, couple extra playoff teams they could have a chance to to battle back or whatever. <clears throat> the uh, contracted playoffs are not great for the Phillies either is again you know, you would think that there are two teams just in their own division who are already ahead of them no matter what, and then the Mets. And look, again, it's a 60-game season. Weird things happen. Again, the Nationals were only 1931 through 50 games last year, so weird stuff can happen in a shortened season, but 
Not a great job from the Phils. Let's talk about the schedule at large. Is Jason Stark a really good piece on The Athletic? Breaking it down, and I think his opening line uh, is perfect. The article is called What We Know So Far About the 2020 MLB Season and Other New Wrinkles. Um, and the opening line, I think, just really sets it up perfectly. It says it will be a season like no other. And that is so true, you know, obviously. But we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but on so many levels. You know, it's going to be a 60-game season. That's obviously the shortest they've ever done and certainly going to be unique from a race-to-the-finish perspective. But also, uh, you know, the, the health and safety protocols are going to make the game look different. You know, no spitting, no sunflower seeds, no touching, no arguing with the umpires. All that type of stuff is really going to make this it, it look a little bit different. No fans in the teams, obviously. Um, it's going to make it all look a little different than we're used to. And it's going to be a fascinating season, a season like no, any, no other. The article goes on. It will be a schedule like no other. So here's what we know about the pros, proposed 2020 schedule and other innovative wrinkles uh, that I'm going to be revealed. Uh, the schedule. In an effort to minimize travel as much as possible, teams will play all 60 games only against their division and corresponding interleague division. Those 60 games will be laid out this way. Every team will play 10 games apiece versus their own division against the, each of the four teams in their own division for a total of 40 games. Those games will largely be broken down into three- and two-game series. I'm surprised about that. I would have assumed they would do longer series so teams didn't have to travel as much. Like, if you're going to play 10 games against the Mets, right, you would think five-game series in Philly, five-game series in New York, right? I mean, that feels like the smartest move the least travel, the least back and forth, all that stuff. But I'm actually really surprised by that. I thought it was so clear you do five and five. It just makes so much sense. I don't, if you want to reduce travel, I don't get the three and two game series thing. That really surprises me. Uh, as far as interleague goes, each club will play a total of 20 games versus the corresponding interleague division, East versus East, Central versus Central, West versus West. Six of those games would be against the team's interleague rival. Now that is interesting. We had thought initially that it would just be four games against each. But against their natural rival, that's pretty interesting. Uh, it's the uh, you know Yankees, Mets, Cubs, White Sox type of thing. I believe the Phillies' natural rival is the Red Sox. So um, that could be worse. That's okay. We could, we could deal with that. Um, if it's the Orioles, even better. Um, that would be delightful, but I'm pretty sure it's the, the um, Red Sox. Though the Orioles would make a lot of sense. So... Um, let's hope it's the Orioles. More games against the Orioles will be given. I think it's the Red Sox. Um, the breakdown of the other 14 games has to be finalized, but expected to involve each team playing two interleague opponents three times apiece and the other two clubs four times apiece. So you just hope, hope and pray, that somehow it shakes out that the Phillies get the Rays and the Yankees three times and everyone else more. That would be pretty cool. So we'll see how it plays out. Easiest travel, he says. The 10 NL East and AL East teams will never leave their time zone. So at least the Phillies have that going for them. So they will have by far the most manageable travel load. The Yankees and Mets, for instance, will play just four teams located 240 miles from New York. The Rays, the Blue Jays, the Marlins, and the Braves. So that's good news. That's good news for the Phillies. You know, the Phillies will not have to travel far for any game, which is an advantage, I would say. Hardest travel is the uh, 10 NL West and AL West clubs, which will be forced to cover three time zones, the West Mountain and the Central. And while that's nothing new in a normal year, it's a major travel challenge in a season like this, I guess, at least compared with the other four divisions. So that's a big factor. It's, you know, they get something. Uh, easiest schedules in such an aberrational year, this is tough to predict. But if we go off last season standings, the Twins and Indians will play just four teams that had a winning record last year. Nice. Some good, uh, 
good break for the Twins and Indians there. Like we mentioned, though, you know, if you're in that division, you get they're going to get 10 games against the Royals and 10 games against the Tigers. I would not be surprised to see both the Indians and the Twins in the playoffs this year. Hardest schedule, see above. But again, going off last season standings, the Marlins, Orioles, and Blue Jays will play seven teams that had records of 500 or better last year. Well, the Phillies, because the Phillies were not one of those teams of 500 or better. Or they were the one of the 500 better, but that means the other six, as we talked about, are, are way better. Um, not great. Let's not play two, he says. Three months ago, there was talk about playing doubleheaders as regular as once a week in an attempt to squeeze as many games as possible into a tight window. Now, with health and safety protocols dictating teams spend as little time at the ballpark as possible, the tentative schedule will include no scheduled doubleheaders. But with only a handful of off days in a nine-week season, virtually every postponement, either for weather or virus-related reasons, would now have to be made up as part of some doubleheader. So, because scheduled doubleheaders would actually limit the ability to reschedule postponed games, that's one more reason the schedule was laid out with zero doubleheaders. That makes a lot of sense. The idea that they need those off days and, look, you know, if a game gets canceled, again, it's a really tight window. This is not like a game getting canceled in April where you're like, ah, we got five months to make that one up. Not the case here. So that is something to think about. Uh, individual team schedules, he says, for the moment, this schedule is just in tentative form because the Players Union has the right to approve and propose changes to it. So until that process is complete, no further details will be released. As of Tuesday night, teams we surveyed hadn't even seen drafts of their own schedule, let alone final vi- versions. It is fun to think about getting a Philly schedule, right? <laughs> I know it's ridiculous it is. And, you know, we're going to get a Philly schedule soon. We're going to get a breakdown of who the Phillies are playing and when. And um, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to dive into it. I mean, it's almost like... The Eagles schedule coming out, and we do the win-loss because there's only 16 games. 60 games! It's like, all right, win-loss! Let's see what they do. Uh, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'm excited to have a schedule. It's, it makes it all, all these things make it more real. Um, then uh, Stark talks about some of the rule changes we've already dove into a fair amount. The universal DHEX for innings, position players pitching, which there will be no limit for. Uh, MLB will reverse its new rule, which would have allowed position players to pitch only in blowout games or extra innings. The new rule in 2020 permits position players to pitch at any point in any game, which, you know, just trying to cover their bases, if you know, their injuries and all that. Um, suspended games this is an interesting one. You know those games that start and get rained out before the fifth inning con- and before they're considered quote-unquote official? You won't be seeing any of those this year. Any games that start but then are halted by weather will now be considered suspended games meaning they will be resumed at the point where they stopped. The purpose of this rule is to avoid long weather delays in an era in which health officials advise having players together at the ballpark for as little time as possible. So that's interesting. No rain delays. No rain delays! Give it to me! I can get down with no rain delays. Not complaining about that. Hello! Yeah, I'm good with that. Watching a game, waiting up all night. Yeah, we're good with that. Uh, signings and transactions. All 30 teams have been working under transactions free since March. Uh, that freeze ends Friday at noon, so at least can, who knows? Maybe sign JT Romito, probably not. 60-player uh, pool uh, with no minor league season to serve as a reservoir for extra players. All teams will carry a pool of 60 players, about half of whom will be part of a taxi squad assigned to an alternate site not located at the team's home ballpark. Teams will need to submit those players' names by Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, clubs may invite as many as all 60 of those players to their major league spring training camp, but Players now on the 40-man roster cannot be assigned to an alternate swing training site. That's going to be interesting. We talked about, you know, you want to get your top prospects involved and active, even if they're not going to make the team. You also want to weigh, all right, how do we get by if we have injuries? Interesting, 
interesting uh, factor. He talks about the roster size, which we also talked about. And then the last thing, the age of personalization. All hitters will now have to bring their own pine tar rags, bat donuts, and other equipment to and from the on-deck circle. We'll have to retrieve their own caps, gloves, sunglasses from the dugout if an inning ends with them on base or batting. That's interesting. You know, you always see the guy run the glove out and all that. All pitchers will have to bring their own rosin bag to the mound and use only their own bol- baseballs for bullpen sessions. And baseballs using batting practice can only be used that day. They need to be cleaned and sanitized and reused five days later. So one thing is clear. Teams are going to have thousands and thousands of baseballs in the old storage closet. And he says that's just some of the ways that it's going to be different than what we expected before, which we know. You know, again, I talked a lot about how different it's going to be. Um, now, speaking of different, uh, another really good article. We won't read the whole thing or whatever, but um, – uh, the idea of some of the things we could see this year with a 60-game season and, and what it will take to win it and all that type of stuff. Uh, good article on ESPN.com uh, where they had uh, uh, David Schoenfeld, Bradford Doolittle, and Sam Miller uh, address some of the main questions this season. Um, uh, and I think some of them are really fun to get into because uh, we haven't really thought about in those terms. You know, We talk about like, like the first question is how many wins is the team with the best record likely having a 60-game season? It's like... Those numbers are so ingrained in us, right? You know, we think about, oh, you know, 102 or whatever it's going to be, you know? But now it's like, oh, I literally have no idea. 40, maybe, you know? Uh, so 40 to 43 is what Doolittle uh, suggests. That feels right to me. 40, if you just ask me without looking at anything, what, what numbers am I at for? What will the, I would say like 41 wins, maybe 41 and 19. That seems like a damn good season. Um, I think you could see a team get hot. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, Schoenfield says he researched 50 game stretches over the past three seasons and the best winning percentage was 860 by the Dodgers in 2017 and 43 and 7 over a 50 game stretch the Indians went 42 and 8 over a 50 game stretch that's when they had their 22 game win streak but that's 50 not 60 so he's saying somewhere around 41 is his guess and Miller says 41, 42, 43 39 at best at worst so I think the best team in the league you know you're shooting for 40-ish wins uh, you know and, and high 30s uh, low 40s you'll make the playoffs um, 37 and a half. I think the Dodgers, the highest over under in the, in the national league. Um, how many wins might it take to make the playoffs? That's an interesting question too. Um, I think again, the, the fact that there is less teams makes a difference. Um, Doolittle says he'd be surprised if we don't have three or four teams that make the playoff with a record within five games over 500. Schoenfeld has an interesting answer. He says the average winning percentage of the worst playoff team in each league over the past five seasons is 549. That's 33 and 27 over 60s games. So he's not sure if the percentage would change in a shorter season, but 33 wins sounds about right. Um, I, and uh, Miller says 31 to 33. He expects to be somewhere there. But he also says the volatility of a 60 game season can lead to a few more circumstances in which a third wild card team. Uh, actually has a better than, better record than at least one division winner, which really could happen as well. Like the team that loses out on the playoffs could have a uh, realistic chance to have a better record. It's going to be fascinating watching this and trying to read the schedules, right? Like watching, you know, we know if if the Phillies are 30 and 17 after 60 games, uh, you know, 40 and 17, or excuse me, 30 and 17 after 50 games, you're like, all right, we are off to a great start. We're 13 games over 500 and crushing it. It's uh, in this situation if they start at thirty and seventeen, it's like, oh man, we're going to the playoffs. You know, so it's such a uh, fascinating, different way of looking at it. Uh, some other interesting thoughts that I hadn't thought about: um, four hundred hitter. Is it realistic this year? 
Doolittle says no, uh, not going to happen. He says the chance to go up in a short season, but um, remains not conducive in this era of not high batting percentage. Um, Schoenfield, since 2000, only one player has hit 400 over a 60-game stretch of a season. Chipper Jones, who hit 408 in 2008. In the past 10 years, the highest average over 60 games was Cody Bellinger's 376 mark last year. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. The odds are really slim. He's talking about the first 60 games of a season, so not any 60-game stretch, but that's still um, what we're dealing with here, the first and last 60-game stretch of a season. Um, how many homers equivalent to a 50-homer season? 18 and a half is the prorated number, so <laughs> it's going to be weird to think about, wow, 18 and a half home runs. He really had a monster home run season. 18 homers, wow. Look at him. Can you believe it? Um uh, this is a fun one. What statistical category could have the weirdest-looking 60-game leader? It's a great one. Do a little wins, he says. I predict a 19-way tie with six wins leading the major leagues. That is a great one. So true. Uh, uh, Sam Miller talks about doubles and how doubles keep going up. Um, Schoenfield agrees. Pitcher wins. Not that we're supposed to care about the category anymore, but stars will max out 12 to 13 starts. He means... He's like someone could go nine and one or something and end up with a wins leader at six or or end up with a wins leader at six and seven. That's pretty wild. Pretty wild. They talk about the leader in war. 5.1 is what Miller says, somewhere in that range. That seems even a little high. 3.3 um, uh, is what Doolittle says. That's the actual number if you divide uh, 162 by three and you're looking at the top four uh, last season. So that's an interesting one. Um how could terrible performances in a 60-game season affect a player's career? My guess is it's going to be a blip in the history books, and that's what uh, Miller says as well, is it's one of those things where I don't think it's going to be uh, – I don't think anyone's going to take this season seriously from a historical perspective. I don't think we're going to look at anything and be like, wow, that guy had just a bad year. It's like, eh, a lot going on. I think we'll uh, we'll let that one slide. Um, there's some other really interesting stuff. In this, uh, in this, we'll get to more of it because um, some of it doesn't relate to what we're talking about right now. But talking about what special strategies managers could come up with for the 60-game season, which I have said, and I do think that, you know, again, I've talked a lot early on about the Phillies maybe not necessarily being in the best position for this short race because of the schedule, because of the teams allowed to face and all that. I will say, on the flip side, I do think Joe Girardi gives them an advantage. Like, I... I believe in Joe Girardi as a manager. I think that this shortened season, as much as any other, a manager's importance is going to be amplified. Um, having a smart manager who can take advantage of um, marketing inefficiencies that he sees in the moment or you know, a um, getting an edge in one way or another or can, can find some sort of way to manage this chaotic, unexpected season, I think can, can give teams an advantage. And I think Girardi's the kind of guy who could do that. Um, it is a bit of a bummer. I was talking with Jack Fritz last night about it. Um, the idea that, you know, one of the main reasons we were so excited for Girardi is the culture that he was going to bring to the locker room. That's a little tougher to do when, you know, the locker room is so different. Guys aren't going to be able to, um, you know, hang out in the clubhouse together. This is that like there's no hanging out and stuff. So I do think that it is a bummer we're gonna miss out on the, the Girardi culture factor in year one. Um that that could have made a, as big a difference. I think it'll still matter because I think the way he's gonna manage these guys will set a culture, the type of, you know, run hard, play hard type of thing that he will instill. But um 
I think there will be advantages too. I, I think that while it is a bummer about the culture thing, I think ultimately I'd rather have a really good manager, a smart manager, a baseball guy who's been around the game for a long time who has a chance to see things others might not and take advantage of those things. I think that's going to be an advantage for the Phillies this year. So I, I do think Girardi gives them a bit of a leg up and, and maybe combats a little bit of the tough schedule. But, man, you know, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be a tough schedule. And, again, the 10 playoff teams is tough. We're talking only two wild card teams. Um, and, again, look, the, the Nationals and Braves. The I, I had come in in February thinking, you know what, I think the Phillies are in good shape because I think the Nationals are going to take a step back. They just played deep into October. They won the World Series. Everyone takes a step back after that. And now they just got an extra three months of rest before playing. So I think that kind of goes out the window. The whole playing into October thing, I don't think it's nearly as much of a detriment as it was before. So, um, yeah, I think the Nationals are really good. I think the Braves are really good. I think they're both better than the Phillies. But in a 60-game season, look, anything can happen. Really, legitimately. Like, any of these teams can get off to a hot start and ride it to the playoffs. So, um, hot start. Hot start. That's what we need. We need the Phillies to do something they haven't done well the last few years and beat the teams they're supposed to beat because there are going to be enough games against teams that are better than them. They need to take advantage of the Orioles. They need to take advantage of the Blue Jays. They need to take advantage of the Marlins. They can't lose those games. And really, they need to play well against the Mets. That's going to be really important. So I can't wait for the schedule. I can't wait to break all this down. All right, tomorrow uh, we'll have a little fun looking ahead to the season in some other ways, talking about some things to get excited about. A, a few weeks ago, I did a, a – one thing for every team, we'll, we'll revisit that as uh, someone else has made a list of 30 things to be excited about. And, uh, and again, just continue to generally talk about baseball instead of talking about labor negotiations. It is quite the treat. So until tomorrow, stay, stay, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.